This show is brought to you by Loud and Opinionated. Welcome to the Loud Sports Podcast for Thursday, November 14th. I'm Paul Rubidoux here with Brandon Plecker. Hey, guys. And Jake Williams. Hey. And we had a very interesting Iowa-specific story to start with, but I, I there, there's more news that we have to do. Are you guys aware that one of the NBA's most interesting trophies, the traveling trophy, the ABS traveling trophy, has switched hands in the NBA? What is the ABS? I've never heard of it. The Association's Biggest Snitch. Oh. Yes, that has changed hands for about two seasons. It was it was most famously held recently by D'Angelo Russell <laughs> after outing Nick Young in the locker room. And then it was briefly held by the, I'm going to say, individual that outed Dwight Howard on Twitter before it was immediately taken by Jimmy Butler for sleeping with Carl Anthony Towns' ex-girlfriend and telling everybody everything she said about him. But now, for the past season, Jimmy has held the ASL or the A the ABS. <laughs> the ABS. The but now Dion Waiters of Brandon's Miami Heat is the new ABS trophy holder. This is because over the weekend he took an edible on a flight, had a panic attack, where they had to have an ambulance on the on the on the runway for him at the end. And he ends it by saying, yes, a teammate gave it to me, but I won't say who. So doesn't that make him not a snitch? He narrowed he's it, not giving away the identity. But he narrowed it down to 12 guys, and you, you just drug test them, right? But, he's, but he's on a, if he's on an airplane with the team, pretty obviously was somebody on the team, right? right. Somebody right. on that flight. So we already knew that. Well, I mean, it could have been that he brought it with him. But, yeah, uh, so somebody's... Dealing in Miami, which is not the first time that expression's been said. It kind of su- – well, I guess it's a pretty conservative state, but it, it is surprising that Florida isn't doesn't have legalization there. I think that's an outside-the-cities thing, kind of like Iowa. Oh. You have a, a, a rural conservative population in cities that are mostly blue. Yeah, if you, if you would have said that Florida – but the thing is, <laughs> I just – it's so silly. This when I saw that pop up on the Bleacher Report app on Saturday while watching football, I was like, I l- audibly chuckled because I was like, this is the funniest thing I've seen. Like, I mean, I don't mean to laugh at someone that has a panic attack because I've had one before. They're s- they are terrifying. They're some of the worst things you could have. But the fact that it was edible induced does make it a little funny. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say you should not have your first edible experience while on a, a plane. Why would anybody take drugs and get on a plane? I don't understand it. I don't understand it. I just Well, I'd like to introduce you to Jordan Belfort. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't he there's like Quaaludes in that movie? Oh, Ludes, Ludes every day, baby. Wolf of Wall Street. Too long, but it had its moments. But I need to hear from our Heat fan, Brandon. What is what's going on in your locker room? Man, I don't know. It's 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 the my it's it's the Miami thing. I mean, they're probably just cel- just celebrating. They're happy. You know, they're playing well with a team that you don't know a lot of the guys really. You know, just a lot of a lot of under the radar guys for the most part. 
Can I give a theory to who I think it was? Go for it. Kelly Olenek. <laughs> Canadian. Oh, he looks yeah. looks like a hippie. Kelly Olenek. I think it might have been him. Not not James Johnson. The <laughs> James Johnson. The kickboxer who came in out of shape and can't play because he still hasn't passed his physical. Are you serious? Well, I'm pretty sure. Wow. That I would not tell James Johnson no for anything because he's one of the <laughs> exactly. scariest individuals I've ever seen yeah, on he, NBA court. He hasn't played. I don't know if he, I, he might have, but I know he'd missed the start of the season him and, because he couldn't pass his physical Him and Wilson Chandler are, are two guys that they can knock me around, and I'm going to say, excuse me, sir, because if you have <laughs> tattoos all the way around your neck, You've already felt more pain than I want to right now. <laughs> so I don't need to mess with that guy. <laughs> James Johnson, man, that's a name. Well, he's that... a trained kickboxer as well. Oh, yeah. He's just crazy. to play basketball. Yeah, on, yeah. The, on the side. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so I, that's a guy I would not mess with. Well, from edibles in Florida, we're pivoting, staying with basketball. In state here, Xavier Foster made his decision Monday morning. A lifelong Hawkeye chose the Cyclones for basketball. Four-star recruit. I think he's ranked 58th, 59th, something like that in the nation for the class of 2027 footer who said that the stretch four position in Iowa State that is currently manned by Michael Jacobson is basically what helped him make this decision. I want to hear from Brandon, our Hawk fan. Are you, are you surprised? Are you, are you sad? Do you thought that you would get him? I mean, I don't pay attention to recruiting that much, so I w don't know a lot about how stuff went on. This is the biggest in-state recruit since I'm gonna say, gonna say Marcus Page or Woodbury. Were they the same year? Yeah, I think they were the same year. Marcus Page left. Biggest recruits that I can think of both went to the Carolina. Yeah. In the last 15, 20 years. Barnes and Page. Yeah. I mean, because they were five star, like they were top ten in the country, like. They're, they're way better than even Foster is. Barnes had Iowa State in his final three because he lived in Ames. Yeah. I do not think he even thought of staying in state. Well, that was a different time. That was, what, 10, 10 years ago? I mean, that was Iowa a State was time. really down at yeah. that point. I mean, Iowa runs a spread offense and just like, you know, a, you know high pace, high scoring. Like, so spread or a stretch four doesn't seem to make a lot of sense for the main reason why he would pick Iowa State over Iowa considering Iowa doesn't have a player like that and that's the type of uh, system that they run but I'm sure that there was multiple things but that seems like that seems lower on the list I guess in terms of because Iowa would offer the same style mm -hmm. of play yeah I think that that is really what made his decision is is less of the team itself more of the style and how it's going to fit him. I, I definitely see him being plugged in and immediately just running with the Big 12 opponents, and you see this not as much with Iowa State because I can't think of a big that we've gotten as good as him since Craig Brackens, Royce White. Um, but what he's going to do is what Texas centers have done recently as long, lanky freshmen come in, be a shot blocker, get some points up, and an early draft pick. Yeah, I don't. I don't see him as a shooter. I've watched him play in high school a couple of times, and he wasn't. He stays around the rim. He's athletic, and that. So I see them. I see that as being his main skill set early on in his career. 
right. just being an athlete at seven feet tall, which is, you know, good. But I never, I when I've seen him play, he wasn't much of a. He tried to shoot, but I didn't. I didn't see like anything special out of his jump shot. But I would say in contrast to that, Doug McDermott played the post in high school just because when you're that tall, you can dominate that much. And so maybe we will see more of an outside shot from him this year or next year, excuse me, at Iowa State once he is kind of able to do what he wants instead of fill the role for a champion team, which he did this last year. But this to me... Xavier Foster is the most important recruit for Iowa State since Fred Hoiberg. And here's why. I went back through the numbers, and would you guys be willing to guess the last year that Iowa State had an in-state commitment score more than two points per game? I did not know that. It's 2012-13 season, Boo Boo Paulo, who wasn't even recruited. He was a walk-on from Ames High School. I've so never heard of that guy before. He was, yeah, I haven't heard of him Yeah, he was, a, he was a point guard with Hoiberg and now playing for the Iowa Wolves. Uh, excuse me, I think he might be playing it, um, for Sioux Falls. But last year, Michael Jacobson averaged 11 points. The last in-state player to average double digits for the Cyclones was Jared Holman as a center in 2004-2005. 15 seasons. Do you know when the last Iowa in-state player was? Peter Jock, probably. Last year, Bohannon and Wieskamp both averaged 11. And then before that, Bohannon averaged 13. And before that, Jock had 19. And Cordell Pemsel had 8.9. And then before that, Utah. And I went through the numbers, and Iowa State has had two double-digit scorers in the past 20 years from the state of Iowa. One of them wasn't even our commitment because Michael Jacobson went to Nebraska and then transferred. He is from central Iowa, but he did not commit to Iowa State. Iowa has had 18 10-point-plus scorers from in-state in different seasons, all the way back to... um, Jeff Horner, Greg Brunner, Haluska. Haluska. Yeah, and so when was the last time Iowa State beat Iowa for an in-state recruit or even a guy coming back to the state like Jacobson, like Utah did? So this is huge for Iowa State because we got an in-state guy that is actually going to make a difference on the team. He's fa- uh, he grew up a Hawkeye fan, he too, did. and his family were Hawkeye fans, so it, it was kind of surprising. I think... Uh, if you just boil it down to, you know, take away, you know, the, the game plans and the things like that. If you just boiled it down to basic thing, like basic, uh, what's the words I'm looking for? Basic top to bottom Hawkeyes, Cyclones. Just look at the conferences is what I would say. I think he made this choice because the Big 12. The Big 12 is a more is a better up and basketball. Down, up and down, up and down. Not necessarily better, but up and down style I'm where the Big Ten is more of a slow half court. But I think there's more exposure and there's more attention to the Big 12 than the Big Ten. Right. I'm going to assume with ab- actually, actually, absolutely no facts to back this up, I'm going to assume that the Big 12 has more nationally televised weekday games than the Big Ten does. And that is huge for exposure. I think the Big Ten has a lot of good teams as well. The Big Ten, the Big Ten consistently outplays the Big Twelve in the tournament, which is the most nationally exposed event. That's a good point. And but the, and, and that's y- just I I tracked last year 
wins, teams who continue to move on by conference and their records. Big 12, I don't, I think Texas Tech was the only team that made it out of the first round for the Big 12, or like the second round. Oh, we, hor- the Big 12, year. crazily underperformed. And the Big 10 had four teams in the Elite Eight, I think, or something yeah. like that. Like, But in January and February, seems like there's Kansas always... Kansas plays in the... Plays on TV, not the Big Twelve. Well, you'll get, well, you still get Texas, Iowa State, KC, Texas Tech that are home. that are on ESPN two times a week yeah. I, because I, they play. It's the team that plays Kansas. I uh, really disagree with that. I, I, I don't, don't because that. I never see Iowa State on ESPN or I never see. That's any because of these you're teams probably watching Monday Night Football. Oh wait, no that that no. starts after it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, because <laughs> it's <But> ESPN. <laughs> I I I'm gonna I'm we can agree to disagree there, but I'm gonna stand by that at least in terms of ESPN and their weekday games before postseason, I think the Big 12 definitely gets more exposure. Well, the Big 10 also, the Big 10 network is owned by Fox, therefore they play on Fox Sports 1 and the Big 10 network. So if we're just talking about ESPN, then yes, because the Big 10 doesn't play on ESPN where... Well, if we talk all cable, then of course it's the Big 10 because there's the Big 10 network. But Fox Sports... Which is just as big as ESPN, yeah, and and, ES- and ESPN plays Duke and Carolina, like it's ACC. And you have the Big before 12 Big Twelve even in the Big Twelve side where of you're deal sharing ESPN Plus as well. So, you know, it, it, it's splitting hairs. I just think, to me, I think that the Big Twelve seems to get a little bit more exposure than the Big Ten because I think there's a lot of, I think both conferences have good teams, but I just think that um, Iowa State in the Big 12 would probably get more attention for that. But I, I could be wrong. I have no numbers to back it up, but that's just what I'm seeing anyway. So uh, it's a big get for Iowa State. I was actually surprised. I really – I the way I looked at it, just following it on the fact that he grew up a Hawkeye fan and he had family that were Hawkeye fans, I, I really thought he was going to go to Iowa. I was surprised that he ended up at Iowa State. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is this uh, Garza's senior year? No, Garza's a junior. Okay, and I'm asking because it seems to me, without looking too much into Hawkeye basketball, that either school basically had a plug-in-and-play ready for him, that Foster could have gone to either school and immediately be starting as a freshman center or forward, depending on where he wants to go. But Iowa doesn't have the returning big guy that will maybe be be competing for that role is the same way – Iowa State won't. I mean, we, George Condit is getting better, especially as a defender, but he's not going to be on the yeah, level. Yeah, I mean, Garza's Garza's going to play. Garza's going to play, but right now our starting four is Jack Nungy, who came, is coming off of. I mean, he's six eleven, and he's and he's a pretty pretty good player, but he's not a scorer by any means. He's not. He does. He's just a long guy that is decent at rebound, you know. Right. That's kind of where Iowa State's yeah. at as well. They have they have Condit. They also have Solomon Young. These are two guys that are long, but they're not guys that you can hand the ball to. They they back you down, give you two moves, and put it in the bucket. Iowa State doesn't have a real post presence. Michael Jacobson is more of a flex four, and we're going to see if Foster kind of gets put into a four shooters around the big man that we did with Royce White – or if he is going to be more of a offensive stretch four with another lanky guy uh, protecting the rim. So it's interesting to see what will happen going forward. Obviously, we will not see him in Ames until this time next year, but this has been the biggest thing in the state 
Did you see um, this morning somebody called into KXNO, um, the morning rush show, and said that he chose Iowa State because he is a lazy millennial? Uh, okay, Boomer. How <laughs> I don't see how that makes any sense. How does that make any sense? No, I, I agree it with that. It makes none. No sense. It sound, and, but reading between the lines, this is going to sound bad, but I bet you that's a white Hawkeye fan that says the white, hardworking Iowa kids go to Iowa. <sighs> I could see that. It's just I'm so over people saying that. He's not even a millennial. so. <sighs> no, technically he's not. He's a Gen Z. Yeah, yeah, he's the generation behind us. Boomers don't even know. No, they have no idea. No, no, they're not going to care. I, but I hate that that mentality that millennials are lazy and all, all this stuff. And to to say that he goes to one school or the other doesn't make any sense because it's still going to be hard work to play on either team. So it, that yeah, it's not stupid. Different. It's stupid. I, we can both agree that no matter which of the Big Ten or the Big Twelve he was going to go to, he now is competing at the highest level of college basketball. Yeah. I would say the Big Ten, the Big 12, and the ACC are the three most top-to-bottom competitive conferences. I, d- I think the, the bottom falls out of the SEC. The bottom falls out. The top is very, very good. You, oh, got, yeah. you got three super strong top oh, yeah. guys, but there's, there's not the night-in, night-out. You know, oh, Bob Huggins at West Virginia is playing Texas Tech. Those are both good teams, and the winner's up in the air. I don't think that happens as much in the SEC. So I don't see the lazy millennial. And I really think that is, man, that's kind of the fox that can't reach the grapes, right? <laughs> Just saying, oh, well, we don't want him because we didn't get it. Right, you know? and, and that's the thing. is People also need to understand to kind of put a put a bow on this. is like there's people – and uh, uh, Chris Williams from Cyclone Fanatic, I saw him tweet about it. And he said that, like, grown men are saying horrible, nasty things about an 8-year-old's decision to, to play college basketball. You got to grow up about that. Like, he, he, who cares that he – like, it sucks you didn't get the guy you wanted or the, the, the player you wanted, but he's 18 years old and he's playing college basketball. It's not the end of the world. I was not cursing Harrison Barnes when he did not choose Iowa State. Right. Get over it, man. Yeah. It's, it's, it's I was prepping for Iowa State to lose this recruit. I did not think, honestly, and you I was, I was going to say 55% Hawkeye chance because it's just that has been the history of the Hawkeyes recruit the in-state guys. I bet, you know what, the recruiting visit to Iowa City might be better than it is to Ames. Oh, don't let Ashley hear you say that. Hey, I'm a I'm clone to the bone, baby. But I think <laughs> I've never been to Iowa City, and I don't think I'll ever be. But depending, but I think you got to think about it this way. Also, for for your point, Iowa Iowa or Iowa has all the, the top talent from in state. So therefore, the guys he's been playing with his whole life, right? McCaff, mm-hmm. Pat McCaffrey, they're the same age, you know, a year older. Wee's camp's a year older than that. Like they've been playing AAU together probably since they were fourteen, right? For the most part, maybe even on the same team. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like you'd think that he he would have more relationship with the players. But there's a pipeline at Iowa compared mm-hmm. to at Iowa State because Iowa State doesn't have those guys. Like you've been your point before, they don't have those guys in state. <laughs> I mean, this he this just flashed him a picture with a bunch of crazy chicken scratch. I had it. the numbers on the amount of in-state players. For Iowa and for Iowa State, who have scored more than five points in the last 20 years. It was the comprehensive list I have. Iowa State has four names. Iowa has close to 20. Yeah. It's the thing. Like you said, it, it, Iowa goes after the in-state guys. That's what they want. They but want. To finish Brandon's point, 
I, I really agree with you, and I think that we would both agree that Iowa has done a much better job of grabbing the in-state guys, but Iowa State has been able to get higher-level recruits from out of state than what Iowa gets in-state. And so I'm agreeing with you that I'm surprised that he didn't choose the people he knows. He chose a team full of people he doesn't know. And so I think that his decision was really – Because it seems like that's how it goes in college basketball is – Oh, that's those, how it is in basketball. Those, for, those freshman classes, a lot of those guys, even though they're not from the same state, they know they know each other. You know, they've been playing against each other for forever. I can't think of who it was. I don't think it was Kentucky, but they just had like three guys that are basically like really good friends from three different schools. All apply there and oh, apply there, commit. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> well, I think it's time we should probably move. We've been talking for a while about it, but uh, it, it's uh, it's a big topic. There's been be, a lot of talk about it's it. It's gonna be exciting. 2020 will be a very interesting year. Um, the Cyhawk game will be very interesting in 2020. I think the Cyhawk game this year is gonna be a little, a little more feisty because of this. Not from a player's perspective, but a fan's perspective. Well, it's already getting nasty. I, I can't <laughs> think off the top of my head of where it's played this year. I think it's at Carver this year. I can't tell you. But I think it's going to be kind of fiery by whatever home I crowd it say, is. I would though, it, 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 does a, it, it stokes the flame of a rivalry, and I, I, I like that. It does uh, fuel to the fire. From there to our college basketball previews for our teams this year, Iowa State, I have their preview for you. Um, coming in already 2-1. and one. And Fran Fraschilla tweeted yesterday, hey, I like this Caleb Grill kid, Iowa State fans. He's not quite yet Jake Sullivan or Matt Thomas, but he has a lot of room to grow. And the first thought in my head is you, you name the – the two white shooting guards that are fan favorites. I mean, you're not going to say he's like Naz Long or or Will Blaylock. And so that was a little iffy for me. But I do like Caleb Grill. Um, he's a hustle guy. He's, he's a guy that immediately has the necessary range, and he does whatever's asked of him. You see him sprinting down the court for loose balls um, against Northern Illinois, which they ended up winning despite some foul trouble from the big men. I, I see a lot of promise from Iowa State this year. It starts and ends with Tyrese Halliburton. He is the the point guard, uh, the sophomore point guard who is on some watch lists and was on the U.S. under-19 team. The one, I think they won gold. But he's coming in with a lot more experience this year, and he's coming in as a leader. And so I'm very excited to see where the rest of the team kind of fills in around him. I want to see some growth from Jacobson on the offensive side. He's a, he's a great leader, and he's always in the right spot defensively. I want to see more from him offensively, as well as what I've seen from George Condit so far this year, besides the nasty, like, bad, stupid, early foul trouble that he's been in, I think that that shows his exercised commitment to defense this year. So Iowa State is is looking good. I actually think that they're going to finish second in the Big 12, obviously behind Kansas. <laughs> but we'll see because I think that this Iowa State team is seems a little misfitted at the beginning of the year, but that gives them a lot of room to grow together. What do we have from Hawkeye basketball team this year? Well, I think, I think the biggest story for – 
Iowa is, is Jordan Bohannon going to play the full season? He's coming off of hip surgery, and he hasn't been start. He hasn't started their first two games. He's only been playing. He's been playing less than twenty minutes, and he's not our best player, but he's our most important player. I'd agree. He's our most important player because he's a great shooter, spreads the floor, in-state guy. He's he's a great facilitator. He's you know he's one of the better point guards in the Big Ten for sure. And uh, yeah, so I mean he's. He's a big story. We'll see if he he got you get ten games to see if you're gonna if you're gonna play. You can redshirt out even after playing ten games. So we'll see how that goes. I mean, I think if they're gonna play him, they need to start playing him more than than he's been playing, if regardless of competition. If he can't, who steps up? McCaffrey. Well, M- M- Connor McCaffrey's been starting, and he's 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 just he's a good he's a good passer. He's a good point guard, but he's not, he can't score. He's not a great shooter. So he, he he's a much different player. He's a good de- better defender than Bohannon. But he's not as good. He he can't score as much, and that that hurts the hurts the offense. But he needs to get to the point of being a floor general where he can say, "We need a shift in momentum, and we need two points." I'm taking it to the hole, whether I get fouled or not. We need to do something. I have I see that from Bohannon, and so w- what else can can the Hawkeyes expect to see outside of the guard position this year? I mean, year? I think we should expect Wieskamp to make a jump. I think he already, he scored 11 points. I think he'll be. He'll be running the running for first team All Big Ten. I think this Does year. Does he have a higher ceiling than Utah? Because Utah came after transferring and lit it up at Iowa. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Wieskamp is. I'm very impressed with Wieskamp. I think he can score on anybody. I think his his high school experience is. Is he a 20 point guy? Maybe not this year, but next year is he a 20 point 20, guy? Next next year maybe. I mean, he that's a big jump from 11 to 20 in one year. Well, Utah but, was 16.4 and then 18.9. The last 20-point guy for Iowa, technically, Peter Jock, 19.9 in um, 2017. I had the guy before that. It was Haluska. Yeah, and that was a long, that was a long time ago. 06, 07 yeah. was Iowa's last 20-point-per-game guy. like, Wieskamp in high school was going, was getting triple-teamed, and he'd still score 30 points. Mm-hmm. Like, the guy knows how to score. Right. And he's and he's seen seen all kinds of defenses, and – Obviously now we have Frederick is a freshman coming in who's a who's a pretty good shooter and I think he'll get better. He's he needs to learn how to play at this level. It's a, it's an adjustment for any freshman coming in. Um, Garza Garza's going to be big. We'll see how he plays, but I'm not a huge fan of Garza. But he plays like a European big. Yeah, well he's he's from D.C. and I think he might be European. I'm pretty sure that his dad is a diplomat and that's why he's from D.C. Because I think I think he is international. I think he's from. I, I don't know for sure where where I know he played high school at DC, but yeah. So we'll see how he scores. I mean, he he can be. He might be our leading scorer this year, too. Like he's he scored 15 points I think in their first game. So what would that mean for the team if Garza comes out as your leading scorer? If Garza's our leading scorer, we're not we're not going to be a very high scoring team, just by the fact that Garza's not super efficient with his scoring, and he doesn't. From what I watched last year, he's not a, a breaking explosive no. guy. He take he he takes a lot. He takes a while. He Plays makes, like dirt. He makes moves. Yeah, he's got a pretty good jump shot. He can hit it. He can hit a three. Something you know. He can hit a three at times. That's not not where he plays a lot, but mm-hmm. he's a, he's a good. He's a solid second player. So with um, another big being able to play next to him, do you think you will see him more on the arc this year? Yeah, it depends on who that big is. Right now, the only other scorer I see in the post would be Cordell Pemsel. But again, he's coming off of a redshirt year, where he, you know, he, him and Nunji are the, 
Seth Hemsel is still on the team. Yeah, he's only he's a sophomore. <laughs> Paul is I'm baffled. Look at, I'm looking at my paperwork, and I have him at 8.9 points per game from the 16-17 season. Yeah, that was two years ago. He played as a true freshman and then redshirted last well, that was, year. That three, we have some, we had 18, 19, 17, 18, 16, 17. So there's two years between his true freshman year and now. Yeah, two years. This is, would be his third year at college, but he's a redshirt he sophomore. He redshirted last season. I'm still. I still think that's a year <laughs> off. I don't think so. We'll, <laughs> we'll figure it out. That's <laughs> what I was say. Basically, let's just. Uh, he he's he's Perry Ellis. Continue. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll see. Again, Bohannon is Bohannon is the story. If the Bo be all end all. Yeah, if Bohannon doesn't play, I don't see us having a great season because he's a very important part to the team. Can this be a twenty win team without Bohannon? I don't. Our calling card, I mean, we were the highest-scoring Big Ten team last year. We scored almost 80 points a game. But without Bohannon, I don't see us being able to shoot shoot enough from the outside to open up lanes for Wieskamp and, and Garza. And we're 80 points. That's Tyler Cook. He averaged almost a you know, threatening, 16 points. A threatening shooting point guard just opens everybody else. Oh, yeah. And he, he can hit from anywhere. The wing defenders are watching that guy with one eye. And so he, you're right that I agree with you. It's it's Bohan next week and a half, and when we have news on him, we have news on the Hawkeye season. And Jake, what news do we have from Big Fred's season out west? I'm gonna be very very brief. <laughs> uh, not looking good. Uh, <laughs> I the, I'm gonna be very short with you and just say that I think. Yeah, the sky is not falling. I think people are are. Much like the football season. I'm going to let you finish, and then I'm going to talk you off the ledge, okay? Okay. Yeah. I'm going to here, uh, I okay. promise. Well, I'm just saying it's it's much like the football team. They have a, a guy that was from there and very excited about his season coming in. And, you know, honestly, I think Hoiberg is more of an Iowa State guy than he is a Nebraska guy just because his, his grandpa coached here and all that stuff. He was born there. He was born there, yeah, and they have all that, that connection to him. But it's, let's be honest, he was called the freaking mayor when he was in Ames. So he has a much closer attachment to Iowa he, State than he, he does. He was an Iowa State court sweeper when he was 10. Right. You so know? there's a much bigger connection there. But I think there are some similar similarities similarities between, you know, Go Big Fred and uh, Scott Lost, as you called him. Uh, it, I did that. It, well, there's a lot of um, a lot of worry and trying to expect a lot here. I'm like, I don't think people understand it, what he inherited. And Nebraska has never been a good basketball team, so let's stop pretending about that. Uh, but I, I, I think... You had he, Ty Lue. Yeah, Ty Lue. Yeah, Ty Lue's an NBA champion and all that. But, uh, you know, that's that's a d he, for coaching, not, not for playing. He um, won a championship as a player. Did he really? Yeah. Oh. 2000 Lakers. Got stepped over by Iverson. Oh, then they gave him he, a ring. He got. Po he, he was the guy that got posterized. What's What's amazing about that photo is that he looks so young. I'm sorry, I totally derailed this for 15 seconds. He looks so young. I don't blame And you. he's got Iverson's cornrows, and it's just the disrespect from your hero. Step over you. <laughs> well, he just has this blank forward look on well, his see, face. Well, only, see, I only remember Ty Lue for the Cavaliers season. so uh, With the blank look on his face. Where he, he uh, it was LeBron's team, 
He was just a supervisor. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's that's the thing. I think that Hoiberg has got a lot to work with, and I think we shouldn't react that the sky is falling after two games. Granted, the first game you probably should have won. It was DePaul. Probably well, should have won just, that game. DePaul just beat Iowa pretty good too. I mean, I, DePaul looked pretty good. They worked them. They they worked Nebraska, and it was at home, and it probably shouldn't have happened. But I, I think they'll be fine. And like we were talking about before we went on the air. To be honest, not a lot of teams have looked good this year in college basketball. A lot of teams are losing to teams they probably shouldn't. Had some early losses. Case in point, Kentucky, a f- you know, a few nights ago, Evansville. Uh, blows my mind that that happened. The but you, uh, I'm sorry, the Hoosier crowd started chaining Evansville during <laughs> their game when they got the news. So, yeah, to make, like I said, I was going to make it short. I, I think Hoiberg is still a good choice. I think they'll... They'll start to play better. I don't expect them to have a winning season this year, but I think that he's going to put the put them in. How do I say? Put the wheels in motion is what I should say. Now let me let me give you some hope okay. for all of Nebraska basketball fans, all four of you. I was going to say the very small. <laughs> <one. laughs> um, Fred Hoiberg's first year at Iowa State, he was 500, and they didn't have a postseason berth in anything, and we were consistently hearing rumors that the scout team was demolishing the starters in practice because Hoiberg does not like high school recruiting. He doesn't. He, he's a Juco guy. He well, he, lo- he loves his transfer second chance stories because his second year at Iowa State, we ran out and all, we won the conference and we had – Royce White transfer from Minnesota. We had Chris Allen from Michigan State. We had Chris Babb from Penn State. Corey Lucius waiting in the wings, another Michigan State transfer. These are guys, Matt, Tho- Matt Thomas. No, he wasn't a transfer. The guy before him, can't think of it now. Don't look at me. Um, <laughs> but almost all of his guards as well were transfers. The guy from... Uh, Marquette, and I can't think of his name. DeAndre Kane was a stud. DeAndre Kane was also a transfer that came in and said, I'm going to bully people. And so don't worry about this year. As, yeah. as someone that has lived through Hoiberg basketball, don't worry about yeah, this he's year. A, he's a different animal than, than most college coaches. Right. Listen, listen, keep your ear to the ground for what transfers he wants, yeah. what transfers he's got. He, he likes to get – yeah, he, he goes after the transfers and the Juco So guys. you can – you might have a 12-win a season and then next year have a sophomore and a junior who come in from other Power 5 schools as starters that have 10 points to per game I'm, under their belt. I'm just saying, Netflix, I know you're listening. So take – make a spinoff of Last Chance You. Oh, I love it. And put it for Hoiberg in Nebraska, and do like other college schools. Incorrect, sir. Put it at DMAC basketball. DMAC, huh? Oh, DMAC is. You just want to be on Netflix. No, it's an incredible transition (laughs) school for basketball players. No, yeah, but something like that. But I'm just saying, we have a guy at Texas State, a guy from a guy at South Dakota, a guy at IUPUI, a guy at UMKC. Those are from last year's players. As long as we're, uh, you know, Indian Hills is as well. Indian Hills is a is a power. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. As long as we're, uh, you know, cheerleading for our teams to be on Netflix and Last Chance U. I like the basketball idea for DMAC because I see your posts on Twitter. They're just running through teams. They're a good team. I'm I'm gonna temper that. That was a Graceland JV and the William Penn JV. So they're playing against. I'm just saying. William Penn's not real basketball. We've seen it for two seasons on Last Chance U. Iowa Western, going back to the football aspect of it. Iowa Western, we saw it two seasons when they played in the indie seasons. 
Iowa Western is a powerhouse JUCO school. Put Netflix on them. I want to watch it. I agree with you. They are uh, they're very good school. I would say a, a top ten um, JUCO college for putting people in hey, Power Five schools. Makai Sargent, exactly. Makai Sargent, and you probably don't believe it from the last thirty seconds, but this was our previews of the local college basketball teams. <laughs> We have college football talk. Oh, my gosh. A lot of talk for college football. First, I mean, we can't really stay in state when LSU takes down Bama and Minnesota beats Penn State. Which was the bigger win? All right. I want you both. Not at the same time. That's that's bad for audio. Uh, I'll go to you first, Paul. Look me straight in the eyeballs and tell me, Jake, you were right. Jake. Hashtag row the boat. Well, the boat might be real. I was trying to tell you. I witnessed it firsthand. Now, granted, I know Nebraska is not a good football team this year, but I saw what that Minnesota team was capable of in that game, and I it was 14 to nothing at halftime. And for three games, they did not look good. They were winning by three points and against three not very good opponents. But that second half, that sheer amount of just domination that Minnesota laid on Big Red, I was like, oh. This team's for real. And then seeing what they did against Penn State. Now, I know the, the score was 31-26, to 26, but I watched that game. It wasn't that close. It wasn't that close. No, it they, wasn't that they close. They jumped on Penn State early. They got an interception that led to a touchdown. Their receive, one of the receivers, I can't remember his name, but he was targeted seven times for over 200 yards, and every time he caught the football, it was a first down or a touchdown. He had one touchdown, but every time they threw the ball to him, it was a first down. Penn State couldn't do anything uh, defensively. Granted, they had a chance to win the game, but I don't think that was as close to the score indicated. So now Penn State is basically out of the title picture. Yes. So I disagree. They if they could beat Ohio State, they're one loss team. They're one loss team with Ohio State, and a, and if they beat Ohio State, a Big Ten championship game in their in their future. But where do we draw the line with the one loss teams? Because now we're getting to be really bunched up at the one losses. No, you're right. But a Big Ten championship at one loss is better than a Bama sitting there with no championship at all. Well, time out. What about now? It's going to be so fun when Bama doesn't make their title game and we have the national debate for two weeks on Utah or Oregon or Penn State instead of Bama. It's a a bad start when Bama's ranked number five after their loss ahead of everybody still. I wrote this in here. The committee always wants Bama. You have to just acknowledge and accept it. I I wrote this in here uh, because I said who should be number five. Because should it be Oregon or Bama? And, you know, you just you just brought that up, and I think that's a good debate. It's clear, and I said this in the first time they gave out the rankings, it's clear the committee wants two SEC teams, and they favor SEC teams. It's not me saying, oh, it's SEC bias. It, the committee truly believes that the best teams are playing in that conference where I understand they only lost by five points. I get that. But very similar to the Penn State game, that wasn't a five-point game. LSU dominated Bama. Absolutely. It was a 20-point lead at halftime. Now, granted, Bama got some touchdowns, and there were some questionable play calls from LSU defensively that led to Bama touchdowns. But I'm, so, I'm sorry. Dropping them to five and then basically penalizing Oregon, saying, well, you didn't play, so we're not moving you. We're not doing anything with you. Whereas Alabama, at home, was down 20 points at halftime. It's still probably the best single loss of any team, though. 
I get that it was not as competitive as some other top games that we've had this season. No, I thought it was competitive. I thought I was impressed by Bama. Bama's Bama's playing with a broken Tua at the moment. Like Tua couldn't even move, and he's out there leading leading that team. I thought they looked really good. Would have been nice to have Jalen. But that and I, I I applaud Bama's effort in the second half. You're right; they did play very well in the second half. I will say this: I don't think Oregon. I don't think Oregon only loses by five points to LSU. But so you take that as you may. But I I agree with that. Let's stop pretending that we all don't want LSU and Ohio State as the national championship. That's what everybody wants. Do we? They're the two best teams in the country. Hands down, they're the two best team in the country. Based on strength of schedule and, and play. Just based on based what on I've seen. Based on play, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, Alabama... LSU you know, has the best resume, we, by far. And that's the thing. Alabama's resume is crap. Their one loss was to a ranked team, and it was LSU. The one time they played a ranked team was LSU, and they lost. If that's any other team, any other program... There's no question. You're out of the picture. They're pitfalling. You're the you're the bottom of the one loss if team. If Minnesota did that, Minnesota would be out of the top twenty five. You're the reason we have an E next to our name. I gotta change that. <laughs> I'll cut that. <laughs> um, you know, it's just it muddies everything up in a fun way. The worst part is I understand it. I understand why they would be five. It makes sense, but it's frustrating to me because. It's almost like they can do no wrong. It doesn't matter if they lose. I would not be surprised if a two-loss Alabama team didn't get in because no, that's just wouldn't. what they want. No. Two-loss won't make it. No, it, it because won't it, happen, but I'm just saying it wouldn't surprise me. Clemson is now concretely above them. Even though they both have horrible strength of schedule, I, I think Clemson's is better just because of non-conference. Because they, both, they have the same non-conference. They're, but they're both of their best non-conference wins is Texas, or I guess Bam, but A&M. Like, that's... Basically, the best win for both teams, right? Yeah. And A and M's like five hundred. They're down. Yeah, they're not they're as down. good as well, they're, they're not as good as ever as everybody thought they were. Well, they Clemson. they they should they should be a top fifteen so program. They have the money. They have the following. Personally, as as someone that is not a Bama fan, I am the biggest supporter of the Auburn Tigers, and I hope they win the Iron Bowl. I really do, because then it will eliminate any doubt. Because. Would this be the first year without Bama in the Final Four? Yes, if wow. they didn't make it. Wow. But it's they're the only team that's made it every year. But let's talk about Georgia. Let's talk about how Georgia's number four, and their loss is South Carolina, who's not a very good team. They, how have, they <laughs> have good wins, though. They have better wins than a lot of the other teams. Better win, you know, They I'm, have a better resume. Hey, I'm, I'm here for the Ducks, man, but Georgia has better wins than Oregon. Jo- Oregon, Oregon doesn't have any, any real good wins. What are you supposed to do out west, no, man? You know, it's it's that's, that's just how it is. Paul, if they schedule Auburn in September, they have to beat them in September yeah. because the Pac-12 is not going to do them any favors. The not real, the Washington real, the real down. argument is, <laughs> Washington, can, does, does Auburn does Auburn have a real chance at at a playoff? How oh, how no, how no. two losses? They're not going to win the West. No, you're right. But think about think about what their their resume could look like even with two losses. I hear you. If they beat Bama, they still have Georgia on their on their schedule, and they have Bama on their schedule. They would have beaten Oregon. They would have beaten. They would have beaten. You know, four top ten teams. Unless they win the Iron Bowl, I don't see a path for Auburn because there will be enough one loss teams no, to keep no, them out. No, no. If they don't beat Alabama, they have no chance. I don't think they have much of a chance anyway. They have to run but, the table, but they get help. But they're 
their resume will compete even, with anybody. Even with them not winning the West. Yeah. No one's going to have a – the only team with a better resume than Auburn LSU. would be LSU. Yeah. They're in the same division. I, I just – Auburn's two losses are to a top – to a number one LSU and a top ten Florida well, team. And at this point, I'm saying, what are we playing these games for? What are we playing why, – why would we even have any other conferences? Why, just hand the champion – whoever wins the SEC championship, give them a title. That's stupid. No, that that's not what this that's not what this is argument. This is who makes it, who plays in the who plays in I the know, games. But, but, but I know, but not who necessarily wins. It's nice to have Auburn, Auburn Auburn's not going to win. Cool. Auburn's not one of the best team. They're not the best team in the country. What, their their quarterback is not good enough. They're not what a top you're five saying team. Makes sense, and what you're saying is a great argument for an 18 playoff because Auburn would be the first wild card. Outside, well, I guess however that in this work. scenario in this scenario they would definitely be in because of that if there was eight teams but i just depends on if there's an undefeated group of i five hate teams. this so much because this is such a stupid stupid way to decide a champion i'm so sick and tired of this 13 man committee do you know what happens if there's seem, there's a member of the committee well they're not all men jake Come sorry on. men and women if there's anybody in the committee that has any sort of conflict conflict of interest they are out of the discussion. So then it goes to 12, but that's to 11, to 10, to 9. So then we're just continuing. I don't need a committee of people. Let them sort it out on the field. Let them figure it out. It is the only sports league that has this issue. And it continues to happen. It doesn't make any sense. It happens because there are so many conferences, and we're just, we're just used to an invitational style of postseason when it comes to college football. That they don't, they they will never set up s- the automatic seating. They just won't. Cause I, you know what, would not surprise me, and I know this is a long shot, but if Minnesota went undefeated, and I mean completely undefeated, wins the Big Ten, I could see him bu- getting bumped out by Bama. No, 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 no. An undefeated Big no Ten chance. champion is in. Lock. No chance. Lock. Undefe- the two conferences that yeah. almost have a guaranteed. Their champion is going in as Big Ten and SEC. A guaranteed one. Yeah. I would say I'd agree with that, Brandon. It's the Big Ten and SEC. The I champion in the Big Ten. Only one time has the champion in the Big Ten not made it, and that's because there was a two-loss Penn State team, in Ohio, but Ohio State still made it, and they won the championship. Won. Who, who I argue Penn State could have been in in that, scenario, in, that, in that season, but two losses, my God. Well, we'd have – Do you want a two-loss team when you have teams that are undefeated not making it? And that's, that's another issue you run into. This, this, this regular season is so brutal. It's just it, – it's exciting because it makes the regu- – it's the only sport where the regular season means the most. And it's a, it's a fun and exciting thing, but it's like, you know, a very good two-loss Penn State team could have easily been in the in the playoff. But, you know, that's just the way it works. And I don't know. I, uh, there's so much to this. I, I, I'm just excited because there's a lot more football to be played. I mean, there's only, what, three or four weeks left? Three games for about everybody. But there's still a lot to be decided. Absolutely. And it's only going to get tighter and tighter every week here in state. Oh, man, number seven undefeated Minnesota, who shot up 10 spots in the rankings, goes to Kinnick. Brandon, what are you looking for this weekend? I mean, it'll be a tough game. That offense is pretty da- pretty good. Those receivers are good. They got two really good receivers over there. They're big. They're physical. They can run the ball. I mean, they're a good team. I was impressed by Minnesota. We'll see. I mean, we, I thought Iowa played very well at Madison – they came within two inches of tying the game and going to overtime. So we'll see 
we'll see how we play. It'll be a it could be a trap game for Minnesota though, coming off of a big win I agree. like that. I think the same thing. I really do. And I'm glad that you said that. This is the recipe for how you beat the Wonderkind team. The 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 shooting star team. They get the big win. They really feel like they are being respected nationally, then you go into a really tough place. And I want to see what they do in Kinnick because I really think that it's going to be rocking more than it has been this season. It's this kind of a desperation. I'm not going to say desperation. That's the wrong word. But Iowa has a ch- serious chance at a nine-win regular season, and it hinges this week. Yeah, this is de- by far the toughest game on their schedule remaining. They got still got Illinois, who's a six or seven win team this year. So Ooh, I mean, watch out for Lovey. I mean, they're they're playing pretty well this year. So right, Jake. They made a. Did you guys see Minnesota or Illinois made like a twenty point, twenty eight point comeback point or something comeback like that this week? Michigan or this State, week. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty impressive. But well, Michigan State's on a downslide. Their defense is still pretty good. But. Same record as Nebraska, four and five. <laughs> <laughs> well, down in Oklahoma, Iowa State made an incredible second half comeback. Came up just short. He went for two to tie the game. Didn't get it. To win the game. To win the game. Thank you. Thank you. To win the game, and they didn't get it. Would you have gone for two in that situation? I 100%. love it. I love the call because. Is this the first time we're all in agreement this quickly on something? No, I, I <laughs> probably. Other than maybe there's, some there, primetime picks. There's no reason not to go for two. You're not better than Oklahoma. Right. You, have, you had no reason to be in that game, really. You really had no reason to be in that game. Yeah. Cr- crazy and you, comeback. And you did it. And you had you take your chance. You go all in. Yeah. You put all the chips That's in. That's right. I agree with that because I saw someone on Twitter saying, Iowa State has all momentum. Why don't you play for more time because you have all the momentum. The longer you play. Overtime kills momentum. And you, what if you don't have the ball first? But, but here's my thing. I can see that argument, though, but I disagree with it. The, here's, here's how <laughs> I think about it. The better team, the longer you play, the better team right. talent wins out. The better team will win out the longer the you game st- goes. Stamina, athleticism. Perfect, perfect example of this. Depth. Depth. Everything. Perfect. Four stars at third string. Perfect example of this. One of the greatest Fiesta Bowls ever played. Years 2007. It's Boise, Boise State. Boise State and Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Same, similar situation. What did Boise State do when they tied it up in overtime? They went for two right Trick away. play to win the game. If you're playing against Goliath, yep. you got to take your shots yep. like that. So exactly. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not against it. I understand the idea of... Iowa State had all that momentum going in. It's a Matt Campbell move, baby. Just go for the throw. Screw it. Go for it. I I agree with the decision. I'm happy they did it. You know, well, they lost. I can't say I'm happy. I believe that they made the right decision, and and that's what it comes down to. And, Brandon, you're right. It comes down to talent, man. There's not a lot of teams that can compete with Oklahoma on talent. There's people. I saw it on Twitter, and, you know, fans are going to do this. I've done this. Everybody does this. They were like, well, this is pass interference. This is blah, blah, blah. Looked like pass interference. It probably was. Oh, dude, that was that was but wild pass not, interference. But you, Paul, you know they're not going to call that penalty in that no, situation. And, and no, it doesn't matter where happens, you're playing. That happens to everybody. You're not it, play, it's you're a bang-bang bang play, yeah. and here is why I'm not hating the call. The, the egregious pass interference that you see in slow-mo on Twitter is the defender's back to the ball with his inside arm hidden from the refs on the receiver, on the receiver's chest, curling around him. So there's not a lot of angles where in live action, exactly. you can, the ref, where is the ref in position to see where he slides his arm and gives a push? So 
I'm not putting that on the refs. That you, they it didn't may see be that. obvious in super slow mo, but right. the game's and, not and, called and in super slow mo. People said in super slow mo that Alan Lazard didn't catch a touchdown when you're right, he didn't have the catch until he was in the end zone. You know, you can you can pull a screen grab of anything. You can put a yeah, lot of things. Yeah, you can make it. You can make an argument for anything you want. Absolutely. I gotta say, I gotta uh, applaud the officiating crew for picking up the penalty on the targeting on CD Lamb. I think that was the right call where. His helmet pops off. He gets hit he- helmet to helmet, but he ducks into the contact. And I'm glad that they actually took time to look at it and say, no, the runner put himself in that scenario. That's not on the defender. And, you know, they took picked the flag up. I want to see more of that. We when need are we to g- have more of when that. When are we going to get that rule in the NFL? That is the rule. In, a, it in, is, in college, yeah. they always review it no matter what. Well, if there's a targeting call, it always goes to replay. Isn't there a rule Be- in the NFL about runners? Like, uh, You can't dip. And lead with the crown of your helmet. Yeah, yeah can't do that. You in the can't. NFL. You can, in the NFL, if you lead with the crown of your helmet, it doesn't even matter if you hit the if you hit the head, if you hit anywhere, in the shoulders. You can't launch yourself yeah, at someone. That's illegal. You no can't missileize yeah. yourself. Um, Which Troy Polamalu would not be successful. This but what I'm saying is, <laughs> we, we need reviewable ejections. And that's what the targeting call is, because in in college, targeting you're ejected exactly. automatically. Yes. And they and they review, review it, it every to time. Bring you back in. Yes. The game, yeah. Every time there's a targeting, it's automatically reviewed. I, it's I just gotta, like a turnover. I gotta say, watching that Oklahoma game, how can you not root for this team? Like it, it is the level of fight and character that is in that team is incredible, and it, it's really, it's really amazing to me that this and it shows in the players because they haven't lost by more than 14 points in three years. That's impressive coaching and hell of a game. Hell of a game for Iowa State. Well, maybe they'll get a hell of a game and a win next week. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. Moral victories suck. Moral (laughs) victories. On to where there are no moral victories, the NFL. Oh, man. Weird games last week, right? Weird games all over. I don't even know what happened. We all called the Raiders winning. But then some of these other ones. Oh, I do want to talk about how the Ravens created an extra like last page in their playbook for when they're running guys out (laughs) and they're winning by 30 points and you're running a wildcat with two Heisman quarterbacks. And there was a point where they had a backfield of three Heisman winners with Mark Ingram. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was unbelievable. And are they the best overall team in the AFC talent wise player only wise? I would say yes because they have an offense. I disagree. Pa- I the Patriots. The are, if we're going just on talent, the no, Chiefs. The Patriots don't have a defense. I don't. I don't believe if, in the if Chiefs. If Ryan defense. Tannehill can carve you up, you don't have a defense. Ryan, Ryan Tannehill T- didn't carve them up. Derrick Henry carved them that's up. True. There's a difference. You're right. You're right. Well, that's, uh, there's a lot of teams where you know the. I feel like the weakest spot for most defenses in the NFL is the interior run. And so whoever can take advantage of that can beat people. And there's not a lot of Derrick Henrys walking around in the NFL. No, you have him, you have McCaffrey. It was Derrick Henry. I should rephrase that. If Ryan Tannehill can lead a game-winning touchdown drive against you, you don't have a good did. He did surgically march down the field with under two to go. And so that doesn't bode well for your secondary, especially against Patriots or Ravens. My thing with, with Patrick Mahomes, and I brought it up to you, I think... The Chiefs, to me, look way too much like the, the Packers of old, where they rely almost entirely on uh, Patrick Mahomes. You mean the Packers now? Oh, we'll get to that. <laughs> I think the Packers actually have a defense this year. but um, 
So I don't, I don't, I'd, I'd have to disagree with the Chiefs on that one because I, it's their defense that bothers me. Yeah, but we're not talking about we're not talking about who the best team is. We're talking about who has the most talent, right? And, talent? It, I, and it's okay. not even well, close. Yeah, but the most, they have the most talented quarterback. No one, they have the most talented receiver. They have no the most one talented can compete with the Chiefs' offense. No, they have the the currently the most talented tight end because Kittle is out again this week, and I think it's between those two for best tight end in the league. I don't think Hooper. Is that good? I, I think that <laughs> they can't get anybody the ball in Atlanta, and that's why Hooper's playing so well. This week. He's out for like this a week month. They, got, they beat up they on could the do no Saints. wrong this week. That just makes me that's feel one better. Of the, but that's one, of those, that's one of those things that happens in the NFL. Nobody wins every week, yeah, man. It, it is happens so in hard the week in and week out. Yeah. Like it, it, it makes me feel better about the Packers' loss yeah. when you see – It's very similar to the so Packers' loss. So many people have said the Saints are the best team in the NFC this year, and to see the Falcons come to New Orleans – just whoop them. It's it, it makes you feel the better. Falcons, <laughs> the Falcons had seven sacks on the season, and they had six in that game. Yeah, I don't know. Like, they played out of their minds. I think, I, yeah, I think you're right about that, like the Chargers game for the Packers. It's, it, there's always seems to be that one week where it's like, what happened? Yeah, like, it happens. just doesn't make sense. It's the, the NFL. That's the what makes the NFL. That's what makes the NFL so much. The only team that won't get that game is the Patriots because their losses understandable and they competed you know so same with the 49ers right to 49ers point, losses 49ers, too. yeah yeah but i think i think the 49ers will get a fluke loss later in the season because i just don't believe the 49ers it. and the patriots i don't believe in jimmy they both have Whoa. tough schedules i do not believe in garoppolo I both the patriots and the 49ers remaining schedules are some of the some of the toughest in the in the league i still believe in the 49ers i i as of what, two weeks ago? I've always said they were good. Brandon and I were jumping on this 49ers bandwagon long before you were. Maybe it's just like the bitter taste of Colin Kaepernick running across the Packers defense, but I just can't. <laughs> I just can't like also, the 49ers. Also, pump, pump the brakes on the Jimmy G stuff. The dude is... I am. You should. He is 16-3 and three in the last 19 games he started. That's incredible. It's a team game, Jake. But they have they have one of the top three defenses in the league, and that makes things a lot easier as a quarterback. Who was the who, Tampa won a Super so Bowl Patrick with who Mahomes, a quarterback? So we just gotta discredit anything Patrick Mahomes does because he has a bad defense. Or like you got you. What are you trying to get at with you, this? You just said we should discredit him because he has a bad defense. What 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 do you so you? But what I'm saying is you're trying to take away from Jimmy G because his defense is good. I would say look at his individual so stats Brady compared to wins the goat and losses because he's had good defenses throughout his career. He has not. He's the goat because I mean he he's held up this long and he has the rings. So frustrated with you, right? Pat Mahomes. Pat Mahomes has lost eight times in his career. Five of those losses, the Chiefs have scored over thirty points. Yeah, I I just I don't believe in Jimmy G when you got to go down the field with four minutes to go. I don't think that did he has. Did you watch points. that? Did you watch that game-winning drive? About? No, he almost threw two picks. First throw of the game should have been intercepted. Third throw of the game should have been intercepted. It's, it's amazing how short of memory and how fickle people are when it comes to the NFL and just sports in general. I mean, <laughs> spot the lie. Spot the lie. He took. You remember how bad the 49ers were when he inherited them and he went undefeated this as team, a starter. This team. Them? He went down and, and couldn't finish a season. He got injured. Yeah. But when he came in, he was five and zero oh when and, he played. And the most important ability in the NFL is durability. 
You are discrediting what he did because they lost to an MVP candidate in a very good Seahawks team. Are you kidding me right I have now? Not because of that. I just haven't believed in him all season. <sighs> you anger me. You anger me because I, this is what I'm talking about. People, you can, you can say that this all season, and yes, we have the tape. We have the proof that you were never really, you know, with the 49ers. But to just completely discredit anything that – any sort of thing that he's done because they lost to a very good team. What, is he, what has he done? Tell me something he I'll has go, done I'll besides his, his records. I'll yeah. pull up his stat. Where, Other where than him being 16-3, and three, I still think that – oh, my God. I would kill for Jameis Winston to be 16-3 and three in his last would 19 you have said, starts. Um, would you have said A.J. McCarron was the best quarterback in football because his team had the best record in college? Was he the best quarterback? Did enough, didn't he? <laughs> I just don't agree with you. I think Jimmy G is still a pretty good quarterback. There's I a think we're going to have to go to Brandon reason, here. There's a reason Tom Brady ran him out of New England. Tom Brady knew how good he was. He ran him out. I'm looking up QB stats here. What you don't? What do you think about Jimmy G, then? I think serviceable. I think he's serviceable. He's a good quarterback. I don't want to put the game he's in his not, hands. No, I don't think Jimmy G's going to win me. Going to win me a game. Right, but if you if you know your defense will hold him to 24 points max. You can work with that, you know. Yeah. He, he is, he's, he's. I think he's a the spot below Dak Prescott, which is a serviceable guy that can make your accurate throws. I mean, come on. Are you are you serious with Dak Prescott? Oh my God, I don't even know how. How would you even rank quarterbacks? I don't understand this. I'm looking at it right now. Let's look by. Dak Prescott proved how valuable he was last Sunday. When they lost to the Vikings, shows you how valuable. Dak Prescott, they took the ball out of his hands, and I think that was the problem. Dak Prescott played better than anybody in Sunday night or Monday night. He was the best player. Jimmy Garoppolo. No, that's what I'm saying. I like. I I think he showed his value because of how well he played in that game. How can you say that you you know what Jimmy Garoppolo can do when he's 21st in the league in passing attempts? They don't need him to win. No, they run the ball over 50% of the time. Exactly, and so. I just I just don't believe in him because he hasn't shown me. He hasn't he hasn't made me believe. Also, we want to don't want to talk about how the Seahawks took signal stole signals and and things like that. He only has 2000 yards so far this year. He has 8 picks to 14 interceptions. I don't give a crap about stats. I care about wins. Are you kidding me? But winning is more than just being a quarterback. There's more to winning than just having a quarterback who have the same Take, guy on the field the when you rack up wins. You yeah. know, like in the middle of November, and this is the first game they lost, and we're, we're acting like he hasn't done. But well. you're, but you're trying to say that Jimmy G's gonna win them a Super Bowl, and Jimmy G is not gonna win them he a has Super 14 Bowl. Fourteen touchdowns, eight. They picks. won't win the Super Bowl because of Jimmy G. That is, I. That's the statement I need, Brandon. Thank you. They won't win the Super Bowl because quarterback is not one of their strongest. Better points. than Jared Goff. I think he's better than Jared Goff. I, I'm gonna say jury's out on that. I'm gonna say. Slightly equal, need more. I'm not credit. I'm not. If Jared, we're, if we're talking Jared about Goff season, is in a better offensive system with better offensive players around him at least before have, this but year. The, the problem with Goff right now in this particular season is he doesn't have an offensive line. That offensive line is bad. They're they, all injured. Yeah. Well, I don't know why the left tackle can't. I can't think of his name right now, but why he came back because he's like 40 years old. And uh, this episode is going to be called Jake fights for Jimmy G's honor. <laughs> I just don't. I just. I think he's better than what you guys think. And 14 I, I and 8. 14. 
I'm, again, I'm that's still, more important I'm still than a win-loss record. And I'm still looking at the 49ers probably getting a first-round bye in the playoffs. Cool. How many first-round bye teams have won the Super Bowl? I'm going to put that at maybe 60%. Uh, more than that. What is, I don't know. What do you? What do you? What do you I, I guess the, the Rams Patri- had a first round bye last year. The Patriots really <laughs> skew that. You get a lot no, of I don't wild think the card Patriots winners. Skew that. No, I'm pretty sure two years ago the Teams Eagles had a first round bye. Packers, Eagles, Giants. Very, I can think of three off the top high. of my head. Very high. The Eagles didn't. Were, the Eagles were the number one seed. Were they division winners? Yeah, they were the number one just, seed. They were thirteen like, and three. I'm not saying the Niners. I was thinking are, last year. I don't. Last year they were the six seed. I'm not going to say the Niners are going to the Super Bowl because there's still so much to play, and I'm not going to throw that out. There. Oh, you don't believe in him? I don't believe in. Him. No, my God. I'm saying well, they're going to get a bye. They're they, they have the best record. You're saying they can't like win out when it matters. Why? Would that be because not, of their quarterback I'm not ready play? To crown anybody Super Bowl champion? Then crown them. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to. Okay, we'll get off of 49ers and Jimmy G here. You had to get that in there. You had to get that in there. Well, if we're if we're going in order here, I mean, man, I bet on the Bills, and then Cleveland actually showed up. What happened there? I don't even know how they could do it when their fans are so loud and the offense is on the field. And it looks like Jarvis Landry has had it with Baker Mayfield. You guys saw the clip of him lighting into Baker on the sideline. I've had enough of Baker Mayfield myself, personally. I, I was never a believer in Baker. I didn't hate him. But I, I never understood why people, you know. I don't want passion. I want precision out of my quarterback. I want a guy that doesn't talk outside of his actual interview and doesn't say a lot in his interview. Look at the guys that have sustained success that stay with the same teams. Brady, Rodgers, Dak, uh, Wentz, uh, even Mahomes to an extent doesn't say a lot, doesn't do a lot. He does commercials. But what does he do that is a lightning rod, you know? Russell Wilson, probable MVP Dak, this year. Uh, He's a nerd. Dak yeah, Dak, Dak is a Dak. An example of how he handles press conferences and how he handles adversity is someone why I think he should be a franchise quarterback. And I agree with you that you he's the about, ideal Cowboys you guys, quarterback. You guys talk about how it's more than just winning as, as a quarterback. It's, it's also press conferences. It's about Dak dealing with adversity. I believe in Dak because Dak has every positive on-field intangible. And that's why I believe in Dak, because I've seen it more than Baker, more than Garoppolo, more than Goff, more than at least half the quarterbacks in the league. I like Dak. I might be in the minority. Brandon, what do you think? Well, I like Dak, too. I, I Yeah, Dak is not a top 10 quarterback, but he, again. I don't know. He, he's look, a, good, a good quarterback. He could be 9 to 12 range, depending on how you slot people in their stats this year. I, I I mean I just I said it earlier. There's a lot of guys I'd rather have than Dak. I think Dak yes. showed that to me it's not Zeke's team, it's Dak's team. I think that was play calling. No, that was bad play defense. Calling. That's that's you gotta you gotta credit the Vikings. And, no, the and Vikings. How they play and how they play and how they. That's how the Cowboys. That's what the Cowboys have to do in order to win games. Is they have to let Dak, Dak play because teams are not going to let Zeke beat them. No, the the no, and Vikings, I think it was a great game plan by the Vikings. Game game plan by Well, the Vikings. the Vikings got into a pissing contest with the Cowboys before the game even started because Dalvin was saying like this this game's about me and Zeke and I'm trying to outrush him. I'm trying to be better than him. It like on Thursday. And so then you get to Sunday and the Cowboys are like, "Oh, we but we're the best running team of the past few years." And then you get into a position where they should be throwing the ball and they're still running the ball. But that's that's the Vikings strength. Limbaugh, Joseph, and those linebackers, you know, exactly, like they got yeah. they got a mean defensive line and linebackers. Yeah, but that's what, that, and they were playing without their best corner in Trey Waynes. That goes back to what I was saying about his ability to handle adversity and the way that he handles himself in press conferences. Where we we're just talking about Britt Baker, and it's always something. It's always something where you know Dak 
handles himself as a professional. And, and I, I truly think this is Dak's team. And, I, and I, now I'm not taking away and saying that you know, like Zeke is a bum or anything like that. I'm not saying that. But I think, and I w- myself included, I was someone that laughed at the $40 million that he wanted. And I don't necessarily still think that he's a $40 million quarterback. I would say he's a $20, $25 million quarterback. But I, I, I think he has really stepped up as a leader, even in a, in a if I'm being honest, disappointing season, losing with the losses to the Jets in there. And at 5-4, and four, they still are keeping pace with they're still the, tied in the division. The Eagles, yeah. So there's there's still that. I mean, the NFC East has not been as strong as what what we all thought they probably no. would be. Right. But but I don't mean to take anything away from Minnesota. Minnesota's a very good football team. I Minnesota's I, Minnesota's in the same same spot as Seattle where they're really good teams but there's other really good teams in the in their divisions yes, and they're they're right. they're they would be I mean Seattle's got 8 and 2 record. They're tied for second place behind the 49ers who they just beat. But they're in the fifth seed right now in the NFC. Yeah, because because of, of their division. There's such a talent drop. And Minnesota's off. seven and three. There's such a talent drop off between the AFC and the NFC. It is ridiculous. The AFC has three really really good teams. And the NFC has eight, and the NFC has eight. Yeah, there's going to be. I mean, think about it. The Rams might not make the playoffs, like, and they were the Super Bowl team from last year. Yeah, but the the, the Rams have been riddled with injuries, and yeah, but uh, that's but. But, but yeah, that's, that's exactly. still a really good team with a really good coach that's the thing. and a really good defense You're right, that might not make the playoffs. I mean, look at the last three years. The Patriots have been in the Super Bowl for three years, and it was Falcons, Eagles, Rams, somebody else this year. Like, it's crazy how much, how much talent like, there is. And, and one of those NFCs, either the Eagles or the Cowboys, is probably not going to make the playoffs either. Yes. 8-8 eight and eight in the AFC, you could – 8-8 eight and eight in the AFC is going to make the playoffs so most likely. 8-8? Eight eight? You mean the, the Houston special? <laughs> right. Getting into the playoffs with well, that, under ten that's wins in their division at eight and eight. Yeah. Bad, that's a little different. As bad as the Browns have looked, if they can manage to win out and win more games, stop that. They could get in. I ain't having it. They could get in at eight. They, they have, have an easy week schedule. They have easy all through the, yep, the front in the beginning. end. Now they've got easier schedule. A few more games to go over. The most important one, the next one. Go pack, go back on track, oh. baby. Let's go. Conspiracy. Excuse me. Conspiracy. I'm a victim of yet another conspiracy. Why? Because they couldn't run the ball? Because it snowed. <laughs> because uh, there's a lot of home cooking in that game. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I will say, um, maybe getting cooked before the game, I need Zadarius to stop jumping off sides in critical moments. How do you have two offsides? Oh, my gosh. Penalties while they're, the while they the are, they're driving down eight to try to tie the game, and you jump off sides? Was it? Was it like? I'm I think it was like third one. I'm sorry, but is there some sort of league mandate that you cannot physically touch Aaron Rodgers? Is that is that a thing? Or hey, am I Aaron's crazy? Aaron's gotten slammed a few times, man. Like, oh, Gerald McCoy hugged him, and then they're like, ah. That's because the the weight distribution rule was put in place he because didn't it's, even he no that's didn't be, even land on him. because last year. That is how Rodgers got injured for the season. Two years ago. Two years ago. Thank you. I understand safety in the game and all that, but it's like, well, then what, what are you telling these guys? Lose weight? <laughs> Don't be so fat? What are you trying to tell these guys? I'm saying just play the game within the rules. <laughs> that was not a roughing the passer penalty, and you know it. What I know is He caught won. his own flag. It was conspiracy. Yeah, yeah, I did see that tweet. Now the Packers get to throw their own flags of him on the ground with the flag in his hand. I knew, I knew I was gonna. I knew the Packers were gonna win because I picked against them. 
So I knew. I told you to pick the Steelers, man. I should have. I know. And they won. What I what I should have picked the Steelers. <laughs> what I like here about the Packers is besides going to U.S. Bank Stadium, they could really do some work on what's left of their schedule because they have to go to the Vikings. It's actually they I go think to San Francisco. It's two away, two home, two away is their final six. To San Francisco, and then they play. You guys ready to the, watch the Redskins and the Giants? And then they play Minnesota and they Detroit play, to end the season. They play at Minnesota, at Detroit. They host Chicago still, which is when they're two. No, home. they've already. No, we only have one game against the Bears. We have three divisional no, games right. still. No, with no, Chicago's week fifteen. They play Chicago. We have at home is our last. The game Packers. At home. This I know concretely. The Packers have two away games, two home games, two away games. That is the rest of their schedule. But this week we got to buy, so. I like where the Packers are at with a bye, six games to go, all of them very winnable. The only iffy one is we'll see how things go with the Vikings because if you can draw the Vikings into an early passing battle, that's where you can get them. You can't if you if you're if you're if you're Zimmer, you cannot let Kurt control the game, the outcome of the game, which is what I think will happen against the Packers. Yeah, I mean even with uh Having a 14-point lead, he still showed that he's still Kirk Cousins. <laughs> oh, Kirk Cousins will always be Kirk Cousins. Couldn't put, put the Cowboys away. But that's all I'll say about that. I just want to take a dig at Kirk Cousins. Brandon, it's all you. It's your team. <laughs> you know, what we do have to say is the Dolphins are on a winning streak. That's it? That's all you got for Go Pack Go? I mean, hey. Going into a bye week? Winning. Going into a bye. I see a lot of stuff I like. I see game, less stuff I don't like. Their game against like. the 49ers has already been flexed to Sunday night. Yes, I, I'm just saying, I can't wait to watch Jimmy G outduel Rodgers in prime time. I cannot wait for him to throw three picks, get sacked five times, and the Packers win using their running game. Uh, I'm not picking against the Packers in that game. but cause Oh, I, you're not? You're not picking against no, the Packers because I'm at cursed. San Francisco? Because I'm cursed. It's because of you. You in Des Moines Vince Lombardi affect the outcome. Vince Lombardi's ghost has cursed me. I guarantee you Vince Lombardi's ghost has more important things to do. I've sat at his desk at Lambeau, man. Do you have uh, anything to say about Brett Favre for go back? Because he didn't say anything about him last week. Nothing? All right. Usually put He's probably still a top 20 quarterback in the NFL. He could be. There it is. And that (laughs) was go back go. (laughs) Jake, how about your Bucks? Won a game at the Cardinals or against the Cardinals. At home, yeah. I think it was the first time since maybe the game against the Rams. <laughs> because, you know, it's the first one they won since then. Uh, but it, it was really complimentary football. And the Buccaneers haven't done that in a while. Uh, J- Jameis had an interception in the game, it, it, in their own side of the 50, in their own red zone pretty much. And immediately the next play, Levante David rips the – have you seen this in slow-mo? It's incredible. The guy catches the ball, and Levante David just reaches in and with all the – like the jaws of life, rips the football out, gets the Buccaneers the ball back. And that consistently happened throughout the game where their offense would slip up, their defense picked them up, complimentary football. And that's not something I've seen from Tampa in a while. And I think it was a step in the right direction. And – um I, I think – and it, they even got an interception from a guy uh, – he's slipping my name, but he's a rookie who got beat up against the Seahawks. They kept throwing deep balls his way, and he couldn't do anything. He got a pick late in the game that won him the game. That caused the, you know, the drive to win the game. 
I, I think that uh, it was a step in the right direction, but... They still can't stop the pass, though. they got to figure out how to stop the pass a little bit. They're still incredibly young in that secondary, and that's and that's still hurting them. And uh, I they played well enough to beat the Cardinals. I don't necessarily think that would be the case against a Drew Brees and Saints defense offense, but then again, who knows how they played last week. But, um, yeah, th- I think it's a step in the right direction. Say, and this is absolutely insane. I'm not saying this is going to happen. But this is how crazy the NFC is. Say they completely went out and they go 10-6. and six, they still probably wouldn't make the playoffs. <laughs> Say they even lose. Ten and six, so there might be a ten and six team that misses the playoffs this year in the NFC. In the NFC, it's not going to happen for Tampa. But I'm just saying, like that's just how crazy the NFC is. So yeah, good it job. A, it was a crazy week in football. It's all the we've gone over all the big games, the prime times, and the stuff that made us think. Next, something to make you think: the fraud, fraud of the week. Who wants to go first this week? Because I've been going first. I can go first. All right. Um, this one was easy for me, man. Penn State. Whoa. I was going to pick Penn State, <laughs> man. <laughs> Penn State, fraud of the week. Um, that is half because maybe they're just not as good as number four and half because I don't think Minnesota's as good as number four. I know. No, we're not jumping back into that. We already did that conversation. I was going to say. But Run I, the tape. I would say, based on their record and their team's performance, Minnesota's adequately ranked at seven right now. But I still think that probably Penn State has the better talent. And that's why they frauded us. I'm going to go a little bit. I'm going to go a little bit deeper into that because I also had Penn State. I'm going to go Penn State's defense. Penn State's defense was second in the, in the country. It's a good points one. allowed. It's a good one. They gave up 31 points. They they were allowing ten points a game. Jake is visibly upset that we're downplaying Wisconsin or Minnesota's exactly. biggest win. It's not downplaying Minnesota. Fraud of the week is supposed to pick be an overreaction, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's hyper, it's hyperbolistic. I mean, right. Jake. I mean, you said Sean it's McVay a was, a, was a fraud. We're Let's be honest, he's been a fraud. We're 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 millennials overreacting. You just said that they are battered and injured, therefore can't be a fraud when you're battered and injured. He was a fraud against. But the I Buffalo. digress. <laughs> the Rams defense. Brandon came strong today. Anyway, Penn State defense. defense. They were frauds. Fraudulistic. Jake, give me a fraud. Can I pick one of you two or both? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Can't pick me because my picks, I haven't had a losing week in over a month. (laughs) Uh, Me neither, man. Me neither. I mean, this one's going to be a little. Well, I mean, for prime time, I went two and three this week. Oh, you did? Yeah, so did you. I went three and two. Did you? We differed on that because, yeah, whatever. But uh, my fraud of the week's a little bit um, uh, out of the box. Uh, Out of the box. Outside the box. That's the phrase I want to look for. Uh, I got to go with, and this might be a recurring theme for me, the uh, college football playoff committee. They're frauds. Wow. Because, as I stated earlier. Bottom of the barrel. (laughs) Stated earlier in the show, I had already made my decision about this. Because, again, uh, they continue to uh, punish teams. Um, for no reason. Uh, I don't understand why Oklahoma drops down from 9 to 10. I understand there was an unranked Iowa State team, but it was a very good Iowa State team, and they talk about resumes matter, but yet they just don't, well, Iowa State's not that good. They're, they got they had three losses coming in, and, blah, 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 and they, they had a, they, whatever. I don't think a team should drop for winning. It's silly to me. Um, say, if you're going to say that, who should be below Oklahoma then? That's ahead of them. 
that's Utah. Utah's ahead. Of why should seven. I know that's why should I'm why should Utah why should they were already ahead of them? The only team the reason why I don't see the why reason Oklahoma why Oklahoma should move the reason why Oklahoma dropped is because Minnesota jumped them. That's true. I don't have a but my so that that's your okay, argument I though. See, I see what you're saying. Baylor dropped because of Baylor stayed the too. same, didn't they? They dropped a spot. Well, they played a bad game against a not very good team. So. Oh wow, that seems to be a running theme with Baylor. They're so they're the luckiest team in college football. We'll see how we'll see. This a, it's a big game for them this week. Out of all of the teams, I just the- don't think that Alabama should be fifth. I understand who they lost to. I understand the situation. And I understand they're a very good football team. But it's almost, it, and I know that's not the case, but it just seems like they're punishing a, an Oregon team who didn't play. Playoff committee, you have been put on notice. You might be a fraud. Fraud. Jake, what do you have for us this week from the XFL? Fraud of the week, the XFL. <laughs> What is coming to us in the XFL this spring? Well, real uh, real quick, they did announce their broadcast team, and I will pull that up after. But I mentioned... Is this, is this for every prime time, or is this for their ABC game? This is their, a, I, their Fox game? I don't believe they've announced the Fox team yet, but I do have the ESPN uh, commentators. Okay. Uh, ready to go, but that will come after we talk about the quarterbacks. As I mentioned last week, we were going to be talking about the signal callers for each uh, XFL team. We're getting to know the league. So uh, we will start like we did last week. We will start with the Dallas Roughnecks. This quarterback will be reunited with head coach Bob Stoops. It's going to be Landry Jones. Uh, he's going to be he's from Oklahoma, as I mentioned. He's drafted by the Steelers was only 3-2 and two as a starter, uh, but this is counting preseason. In the 19 games that he did play, he completed 63.9% of his passes, 100 or 1,310 yards and eight touchdowns, seven interceptions. At Oklahoma, however, in the four years that he became a starter, if people remember, he was thrown in because uh, <laughs> the walking stretcher that is Sam Bradford was injured <laughs> <laughs> his freshman year. He threw for 16,646 yards, 123 touchdowns in those four seasons. Next up, the L.A. Wildcats taking a guy from the AAF, Luis Perez. Um, of the – He was a star. A star quarterback. Of the AAF, eight-week star. I wouldn't say star. Undrafted free agent in 2018, <laughs> became the starter of the Birmingham Iron in the yeah. AAF. He completed only 53.2% of his passes. Rags to riches. For 1,460 yards, five touchdowns, six picks. Uh, he did finish, but keep in mind, he was a superstar in Division II. He, uh, he did finish his college career with just one yard shy of 5,000, 46 touchdowns, 11 INTs at Texas A&M Commerce, which is a terrible name. And uh, he led them to a title. Next up for the New York Guardians. So I just want to—I'm—I'm I'm sorry, Jake, but you're saying six picks in eight games is not good because Jim—Jimmy has eight. In nine, it's different. It's actually worse. But he has 14 touchdowns. The ratio is all messed up. <laughs> yeah, it, apples and oranges. <laughs> I just had to throw that in. It's a lot easier to not throw interceptions in the defunct. You know what? Forget it. Uh, New York Guardians <laughs> starting quarterback is Matt McGloin. Ooh. McGloin didn't have the best NFL career. Journeyman. He was 1-6 in six 
as a starter in five NFL seasons. Most notably, he started the playoff game against the Texans after Derek Carr broke his leg. Yikes. Completing 58.1% of his passes with 11 touchdowns and 11 interceptions. So, not, Jimmy G was better than Matt McLoyne. Uh, but he was playing for the Raiders. Keep that in mind. Uh, mo- he's mostly known for when he was at Penn State. He was leading the team post-Sandusky s- uh, scandal under Bill O'Brien. His senior season, he had a school record 3,271 yards, 24 TDs, and five interceptions. Now, the Battle Hawks is a team that continues to make me wonder what they're going for here because the, the St. Louis Battle Hawks, their coach was a tight end coach for Marvin Lewis, and uh, now their quarterback. There's no better options than Marvin Lewis's <laughs> tight. Hey, I, you know who I really like? That Tyler Eifert. Let's get his coach. Let's get this guy. Uh, so this Jordan, I, I can't pronounce his Tamu. I don't remember. Uh, it's T-A apostrophe A-M-U. Uh, Tamu. Tamu. Yeah, uh, probably. I, Undrafted in 2019, he threw for 3,918 yards and 19 touchdowns at Ole Miss in 2018. You know, he's one of the guys that stayed when all the scandals happened with the Rebs. He also ran for 342 yards and six TDs. So he's kind of a dual threat guy for them. Uh, moving down to my team, the Tampa Bay Vipers, Aaron Murray, drafted in tw- oh, big name, yeah, drafted in the 2014 draft for the NFL, but never took an NFL snap. In uh, four seasons at Georgia, he threw for 13,166 yards, 121 touchdowns, and 41 INTs. Not bad for a uh, Georgia quarterback, traditionally a running team, unless you're Stat Padford, as we like. Oh. <laughs> Next up, the uh, disrespect you put on that future Hall of Famer is unbelievable. He missed his first game in, for, in like his career. Almost he didn't even want to. He didn't. He wanted to play because he he has the streak right like, now. Like no, your back is broken. You cannot play. <laughs> uh, let's go down to Houston. Uh, Philip Walker signed with the Colts as an undrafted free agent in 2017. He's also never played an NFL game. He threw for 10,668 yards and 74 touchdowns in his four seasons with the Temple Owls. Moving down to Seattle, the Dragons. They have uh, Brandon Silvers. He was undrafted in the NFL, but did start two more games. Another AAF guy. Squad, squad. He did also play for the worst team in the AAF, the Memphis Express. Uh, but he did throw. They had a lot of starting quarterbacks in their, <laughs> their short history. Yeah, yeah. Football they had Manziel. He threw for 799 yards, four touchdowns, and two interceptions. He did start four years at Troy, and he finished with 10,677 yards and 71 TDs. And the most popular get of the XFL. I firmly disagree with this, and Brandon is going to be our deciding vote. For the D.C. Defenders, Cardale Jones. Probably the biggest name, as I said. Best known for coming in third string in the 2014 season for the Ohio State, where he led them to a Big Ten title and the national title. First ever playoff champion. Threw for 2000, uh, the next season he did start and threw for 2,323 yards, 15 TDs, and seven interceptions for the Buckeyes. I keep getting closer when I reach my hand over. Had a very short-lived career with the Chargers. And, uh, yeah, those are your XFL quarterbacks. Brandon, you looked at the list. Do you agree with me that Cardell is probably the biggest name? I mean, you could argue Landry Jones. 
But I think yeah. I'd say Landry Jones, Landry, Aaron Murray, Landry, or, Aaron Murray, and Cardell Jones, are or McGloin. Nobody knows who Aaron. McGloin started a playoff game. He got stomped, but he started a playoff game. <laughs> uh, yeah, because he. Because of an injury, not because he led the team. Yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't say he did. <laughs> said he got stomped. <laughs> uh, as for commentators, the ABC and ESPN XFL 2020 commentators, commentators we have Steve Levy. Is it Levy? Yeah, Levy. Levy. I like Levy. Uh, Greg McElroy, uh, he former uh, Alabama quarterback. Does a lot of stuff for the SEC Network, and uh, he's a college football commentator. Call Paul Feinbaum. We don't need that here. Tom Luganville, he usually does stuff for ESPNU. Diana Ruzzini, I imagine she's going to be a sideline reporter. You're really burying the lead here. We'll get to it. I'm saving him best for last. Uh, Tom Hart, Joey Galloway, the college football uh, analyst, is going to be doing XFL stuff. But the biggest name of all, my, my favorite, the legendary, for the brand, Pat McAfee will be a sideline reporter. He's telling, I saw on his podcast, he's getting um, un- Heard of un? I can't remember the exact words, but he said it's he's getting a lot more access. Unprecedented. Unprecedented. That's the word. Unprecedented access to the XFL teams and stuff like that. So that's what you want exciting. if you're the XFL, though. You, you gotta want, get a guy like Pat McAfee. Yeah, and you know this is exactly to to make a tangent here. This is what the big three did: getting Michael Rappaport to basically MC every game and interview people and interview coaches. Is you get a character, you get somebody that you know is a big sports fan. And you know is funny. And you know is a character. You know what Pat McAfee was doing last week? He was on SmackDown. Guest commentating on SmackDown. And, and that's... He was the funniest thing. Well, it's who Fox was brand. The, who was McAfee on ESPN? He was on ESPN for one of the college football games. Correct. Yeah, we watched uh, the uh, West Virginia Baylor. Was it them? Game. Yeah. When he had the big cowboy hat on. I've never seen a commentator with a yeah, cowboy hat that, on that like was, that. Is that, that game? He's, he's, he's a character. Yeah. And he's always in his jean shorts. And he's always wearing he's a, a t-shirt of his own brand. It was a, he was a guest picker on uh, this when they when game day when the it was the South Dakota North to, South yeah, Dakota State South North Dakota, Dakota State, State, yep. State game. He was on game day last week, maybe two weeks ago. Last week, I think. So, and he has an audience like because he's got a big podcast and a lot of people like him. I think Barstool is the biggest non-traditional sports company in America now. So yeah, I think pa- McAfee was a brilliant move, and. Who else would you want, like a guy like McAfee, who's a fun, funny dude that is already you already know that work, does great work for you because Vince got him to do WWE stuff. But so. the biggest part of this, I think, is that you got to find a guy that the players are gonna be casual with, that and the they're players, gonna want to talk. That to the him. players are gonna joke with, and they know he's a funny guy. They know he knows how to play in the NFL, you know, and they respect him no matter what he says because of his experience and his career. And so, I mean, I don't see another option. This is like, you know, this is like putting Charles Barkley sideline. When I saw it announced, I thought it made the most sense. Uh, but yeah, he's gonna he's gonna be one of their you know sideline guys. Also, he's gonna do like. Like I said, be in the locker room, hanging out with guys. and You know, that's the thing you got to say. You know, the XFL changed football their first iteration with the sky cam and the on-the-field cameras and things like that. Maybe this will change the way that the NFL does, you know, post-game interviews or locker room interviews. Who knows? Maybe things will change. Exciting times indeed. That has been your XFL expert report. Thank you, Jake. It was very insightful. Well, thank you.
Now we have who needed their bye week the most. This week we have Seahawks, Packers, Titans, and Giants. Brandon, who is happy to be on a bye this week? Probably none of the teams, honestly. I mean... <laughs> all besides the Giants, they're kind of rolling yeah, right now. Yeah, I mean, they're all playing pretty well. So, I mean, just probably... You could pick, pick your, take your pick. They all just take a week off, you know, regroup, get a little healthier, and I don't think anyone needed it necessarily because they're not playing well. What do you think, Jake? Yeah, it's it's really hard um, to say. I think I honestly think the Packers would probably need the bye week the most. I I understand that they're they've been playing well, but I think it's a nice for them to just hit the brakes. Because it seems like they've just been going 100 miles an hour all season right Four now. Four more away games. This is kind of a right. nice, like, regroup. You go to the L.A., then you come back home, and it's like, it, now it's now you gotta snow. Now you got to go back to, back to California right. after the bye. Right. right. So this is, this is the prime time to get all your players. So maybe that's rested. the biggest positive is it keeps you from going um, L.A., home, San Francisco. Is yeah. this bye week? That was a terrible thing. Why not just schedule LA? Oh, dude, conspiracy! The Packers have had one of the weirdest schedules this year—a nasty schedule. But yeah, that doesn't e- make ex- excluding going to London. The Packers have had a weird I and rough schedule. That's the thing. I understand that, like the Seahawks Niners game, you want that to be prime time in a Monday night game. But why couldn't the league just schedule that a week later and let them just stay in California and then just play the Niners? You know what I mean? Right. Well, I actually have a team that I think needs the bye because of their remaining schedule, and that's the Seahawks. They're playing really well. They just beat the 49ers in San Francisco, but their next four games after this week, at the Eagles, host the Vikings, at the Rams, at the Panthers. That is going to be a rough month. If they go 3-1, and one, Look out, because that might make them the NFC favorite. I, I'm telling you, Russell Wilson is having an MVP caliber type year. These are all run-based teams, too, that they're playing. Yeah, and it's it's, it's, it's – Take a look at the 49ers schedule for the rest of the season. That's about as tough as it gets. It's, they end the season in Seattle. Yep. It's the opposite of the – the Browns, where yep. the Browns were front-loaded with hard teams. And the I think I think the 49ers play all of the 8-2 and two teams there are in the NFL. The remi- they have a tough schedule coming we'll up. See the legend of Jimmy G grow. I'm going to call I'm going to call my shot right now and say that 49ers in Seattle, it's a 3:30 start right now. It gets flexed to the final Sunday night. That's going to be How has it not been already? That's they only would do that if it had no implications on the playoffs at all. You said they would only move it if it yes. had no implications. They only I think do that's that. why they would move week it. Week seventeen, week seventeen, they don't want to give teams yeah. unfair advantage. Yeah, they don't. To where, that's why they don't do it. Week, like 15, everyone, 16, it everyone plays at the same time. There are on, no flexes on, on week seventeen. Yes. Okay. Unless the only time I've seen a Sunday night game on week seventeen was when it was the Colts and the Titans, because the winner made the playoffs and the loser was out. I, so it didn't matter. The rest of the league playing did not matter. Packers-Bears in 2010 was prime time. Probably the same situation, it, though. Well, it was. It was Packers lose and they don't make the playoffs. Bears lose and the Packers are the sixth seed. And that was, an, that was I remember, it's, it's dark as Randall Cobb sprints down the field between Bears safeties. So that, that was a night game with big implications. Did it start it? late, though? In Could have been 17. a late afternoon game that got dark? Packers-Bears, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say the Packers and the Bears have never played a 3-30 game. That that that's a stretch, but you understand what I'm saying. You either have that at noon in the Midwest or it's prime time. Mm. Yeah, I can see that. 
they very rarely play a Sunday night game on week 17 for the competitive advantage reason. I understand that. And it, it makes sense. 100%. Now that you now that you really accentuate So you're not that. resting players because you now know you're in the playoffs because the team already lost. Right. That's the idea. All right. Oh, yeah, because you'd have all the games beforehand. And now is your time to look through the primetime picks while we get through Paul's Fab Five Plus One. We're back to six picks this week. So last week I went three and two, and I feel like I really escaped. It was a weird week. I bet on the Bills to beat the Browns. Yikes. Bet on uh, the Cowboys to cover. Didn't happen. Bet over. That one hit. So I had a yes and a no in the same game. Always like makes you feel he, weird. He adds more to make make his record better. You notice that? When you well, hey man, when you're feeling it, you're feeling it. And so I'm I'm over 500 for the first week since week one. <laughs> <laughs> We're 26 and 25, and the bus is not stopping here. Okay, we got six picks, and they're all good. I am taking an under this week. We'll see how that plays out. No, you said never bet the under. I know, I know. Never say never. <laughs> what? have no convictions do you first one pittsburgh at cleveland thursday night pittsburgh in prime time against a division rival take them steelers take that defense they're going to have baker running for his life pittsburgh covers plus three on to that, sunday that was seven at the start of the week and they moved it down to three if that were seven i don't know if i'd take that it was cleveland minus seven i can't believe uh, cleveland's yeah. favored yeah, it was Cleveland. Well, seven. The home team, uh, home is, home is worth three points yeah, according Pitt, to Vegas. Pittsburgh if it's Cleveland is, seven, they're begging you to take. Well, they're they're Pittsburgh saying Pittsburgh has been mean. The problem is that people are judging Pittsburgh on their quarterback when you should be judging them on their offensive line and running game. I think you should be judging them on their defense. Well, the defense that as well. defense is might arguably the best best is, in the league. This is steel curtain, baby. This is oh, what we're yeah. used to: Minka ground and pound and intercept the ball. Minka Fitzpatrick was probably one of the best. T.J. Watt and Minka Fitzpatrick are tearing up the NFL. And that draft pick, you know, is is not as good as it looked when they made that trade. And I think the Steelers have really come out on top, even though you know Miami's happy to have another first rounder. Steelers came out winning that trade. I think we'd all agree that at this early point, even. But I like Pittsburgh at Cleveland. They just run that division if it's not Baltimore. On Sunday, Dallas going to Detroit. Dome team going to a dome. Uh, we don't know if Stafford's going to be playing. Probably not. Dallas covers plus three or minus three and a half. They win by at least four in Detroit. I don't trust the Lions' defense. Yeah, that pass defense is not good in and Detroit. I don't think Stafford's outside, coming back. outside of Darius Slay, there's nothing going on on their defense. Now, Jacksonville at Indianapolis. Indianapolis just let the Dolphins win on their home field. That does not happen again this Without week. their quarterback. Without yeah, their I remember quarterback. that. Without their quarterback. Preemptively, if the Dolphins win again, I might have to put them at, um, they're, they're on notice. It might be a fraud. <laughs> fraud is a they're winner or fraud as a, as a are they are they fraud at tanking or a fraud at winning? <laughs> a fraud at tanking. They are so fraudulent we don't know what kind of fraud they what are. What are you doing? Brian Flores, King of Frauds. Jacksonville at Indianapolis. Indy covers minus three. I just Jacksonville's been so up and down. They just can't figure out who they want. Well, they know who they want at quarterback, but it's kind of I think fracturing the fan base and the team at this point. I don't see them coming together. Indianapolis covers minus three at home. Now we got the Jets at Redskins. They put this uh, they put this line at 38 and a half. Jets almost scored that much last week. The over? Take that over all day. Adrian Peterson is going to run over the Jets. 
And then on the other side, the Jets played decent last week. So I like this as, as an almost tank bull. Jets are going to take the over here. Well, both teams are going to hit the over. <laughs> Fifth game, New England at Philadelphia. Is this the first time they've played since the Super Bowl? I think so, and that's why Tom Brady is going to come out. Guns firing, <laughs> slinging it. The defense is going to be yeah, playing hard. Sucks. New England covers minus three and a half at Philadelphia. That's kind of a bold one, but I like it. <laughs> Final. You would like it. Cincinnati at Oakland. Take that under. 48 and a half. Who set that thing so high? Here's the problem with this game. This so, is That's all Oakland at that point. Exactly, because this is the Bengals' new quarterback. We I don't know if A.J. Green's back or even if he wants to be playing at this point for this team this year. I think that Oakland might score 30 points, but I don't think Cincinnati scores 18. Take the under. That is going to be a bad, 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 bad game. And that is, that is the Fab Five plus one. I know I've already done it, but good Lord. John Gruden. What, a, co- a, what a coaching job. What a, what, a, what a great coach. They got a chance to make the playoffs. Are over you there. serious? We were ragging this I know. guy. Yeah. Let me tell you. A guy who does. The defense has started playing really well, and that that's that's the difference right now for them. This really shows that he is a chess master because they're paying three guys that have more sacks than Khalil Mack, like half of Khalil Mack's money. And I get that, you know, it's it, Khalil Mack is, is a game changer and you have to know where he is on every play, and these guys are not at that level. Gruden is showing that he's actually really good at building a personnel for a team because he's getting his guys, he's, he's doing what he wants, he's starting to put people where he wants them, and they're actually competitive, which I would not have and seen. He loves the game of football. Did you see the end of the Thursday night game where he's celebrating with fans? He's just that guy, He's beautiful. Man. He's a, he's he's a great guy, that, man. He's a great guy. I like that guy. Here we are. Prime time picks. Well, the craziest thing maybe in our podcast this week is that we have a tie at the top now. I went two and three last week. Brandon went three and two, and he caught me. We are tied atop the leaderboard with the listeners only two wins behind us. That could change very easily. Jake, congratulations. You got to 20 and 30 this week. <laughs> I will say. Hey, you're, you're coming up, yeah. Yeah, I will, I will say. Because you were uh, not doing well after about four or five weeks. Yeah, I was consistently like three weeks in a row getting three and twos. Yeah. I think you got to stop betting so contrarian. I that's know, what you're doing. I know, that's my biggest problem. Stop betting out I, of spite. I, I honestly think this week's. Picks are solid. That makes they make sense. This week the games are a lot better than last week when it comes to picks. We will have these on on our so many, like, so many. on Sorry. our on our Twitter where you can you saw my notes. You can pull with the, yeah. I, I, are you kidding me? You no, think I, I wrote down you. which oh. ones? You think I wrote down which ones I'm choosing? With you ball hawks over there, whatever, Watch man. It. All right, let's start with prime time Steelers at Browns. You already know what I think is going to happen, so let's start with somebody else, Jake. Uh, I, I kind of I'm I'm amazed, you know, and I'd say I've said it multiple weeks, but Mike Tomlin, I think he might be a future Hall of Famer as a coach. Just what he battered Pittsburgh team to make them in the hunt in the play. Now I know the AFC's bad, but he's already he he's he's been doing a a, a Herculean effort to to make them five and four. I just don't see him as much of an X's and O's coach to make. He might not be a Hall of Famer, but he is. He's a very good coach. 
and how I about got you, the Steelers. How about you keep Le'Veon or Antonio Brown, and then I'll believe that you're a good coach. But he's winning without them. I understand that. No, with, well, a, with a backup quarterback. That's where it comes down to is the quarterback, not the not the skill guys. And he's doing a Point good job. Is Steelers are going to beat the Browns. I, I'm I'm done. I don't believe in Baker uh, Mania. I, I, I'm writing them off. There's no chemistry on this team. They have no line. Steelers. Yeah, I got the Steelers as well. T.J. Watt's going to wreck this game. T.J. Watt is – he's playing himself in the pl- defensive player of the year c- category this year. I mean, he's having great season over there. Minka. And Mink- Minka's had six turnovers in the last four games or something like that. Yes, I, yeah, mean, I saw that. I mean, they're, they're just – that defense is playing unreal. If Minka Fitzpatrick doesn't get a pick six – what are we doing here? Because Baker Mayfield, it seems like it would be prime to get a pick Pit- six. Pittsburgh is one of the hottest teams in the league. I mean, they started 0-3, but they're 5-1 and one in their last six. I mean, and, and the they're coming, in a very Steeler way. They're and coming the up strong. is so bad at 5-4, and four, they are in the bubble. So I mean, They might be in. They, they might be might, in right yeah. now. So I'm taking Pittsburgh. Whoa, Sunday night. Oh I'm actually going to preface this with saying this is – a, a put-up-or-shut-up game for both of these teams. I think the loser of this game is unofficially out of the playoff hunt. We have the Bears in L.A. being hosted by the Rams. Both of those are kind of on the bubble as NFC playoff teams. We'll start with Jake. This, uh, I'm only saying this because, and this is hard. It really is. And I, and I, I'm a, I know I'm very harsh on uh, Mitch Trubinsky and... I don't think it's unwarranted, I, I, but this Bears team, I thought it was a fluky season last season. That being said, the Rams are incredibly hurt right now on offense. They lost two guards and their center. I got to take the Bears in this one because the Rams are extremely hurt. If they were healthy, I would take the Rams. But Yeah, this, is, this, one's, a, this one's a tough one for me yeah. as well. I mean, they both have great defensive lines with – Two of the best defensive players in the league on each side, you know, Donald and Khalil Mack can win a game by themselves at the defensive line, which not a lot of teams have that. And their offenses have not played well this year, either one of them. The Rams, they're hurt. They're missing Brandon Cooks. They're missing that offensive line. So it's kind of a toss-up. I think I'm going to take the Rams only because they're at home, though. It, it's – yeah, that, that – I, if this were last year, I would have said, oh, yeah, Rams, no way. But. This is, it's a tough one. It is a tough one. I am going with Chicago, though, because I trust out of the offense or defense on either of these teams, I trust Bears' defense. Uh, yeah, I would agree with that. And I, I think that the, the Rams are kind of hampered at this point. And like we've said, if you have an aging offensive line, Bears might tear you up real quick. Khalil Mack, oof. I Oofa. expect this. What's, what's the Floyd, over on man. this one? Leonard Floyd. 41 is that's a good number. I mean, that's a, that's an unbettable number. Yeah, that's a game. really low number, but but it has it, the it's it's reachable. It's a, yeah, it might be under. This could be a stinker. This could be a Sunday night stinker. Oh yeah, we'll see. Very Mon- defensive Monday night. Dun 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 in Mexico City. Will they play in Mexico City this year? Will they actually yeah, will play, really or they will they change it just like last year? We will see. Yes, Brandon. Who do you have? Chiefs at Chargers Monday night. I got to take the Chiefs. That offense is special. Patrick Mahomes, I mean, I think they'll get it done this week. I'm also taking the Chiefs. Jake. Yeah, I got to take the Chiefs here. I think that um, Andy Reid will bou- have this team bounce back. And I and I, 
I know I made jokes about Tannehill at the end of the game having a game-winning drive. I think the defense is still a problem, but I watched the Chargers on Thursday night, and Phillip Rivers can't hit the broadside of a barn. Uh, he, he looked bad at, at the end of the game. I got to take the Chiefs. We all took the Chiefs there. For my wild card pick, I'm going to start it off with the Raiders. Whoa. I am I'm a believer in Gruden right now. They're good guy, ho- man. they're hosting Cincinnati. I think that's almost a lock. Jake, your wild card. Um this one's interesting because of the previous uh shouting match that we had in this episode. I think the 49ers will bounce back and I think that Jimmy G is going to have a really good game. I think we're, you know, I say a lot about Jimmy G. They host the Cardinals. Yeah, they're going to bounce back. But well, they only won by three last the time Cardinal- they played two weeks I'm ago. I'm sorry. You're, That's true. You're not the, – the Cardinals are a good team. The, like, they're – they're. how do I say this? They have a rookie quarterback and a rookie coach, and they're still competing well for they're not, not, not having they're not at the talent. They're not at the level of those bottom teams in the AFC. Right. They're not. They're not. Gonna they are the. They are. I think f- they are the worst team in the NFC. That's but, fair. But they're competing. But they're much better than those teams in the and AFC. They're playing. It's like the Dolphins. They have this really bad record, but they're still competing in games. And I, I think they're going to bounce back. And I, and I know I was big on Jimmy G, but I have not given Kyle Shanahan enough credit. I think Kyle Shanahan is a very smart offensive mind, and I think they'll 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 win it at home. Brandon, right? who you got for your wild card? I'm going to take the Vikings at home. The Minnesota Vikings. Vikings are rolling. Taking on Denver. It's in Minnesota. Dalvin Cook. It's a pretty good game. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty good choice in I'm gonna Minnesota. Go, I'm going to roll with Dalvin Cook to keep it going. And, and as they showed last week, they can't stop the run, which is Denver's only real option right yeah. now. <laughs> so that's a very good pick. Upsets. Flip it back. Brandon for an upset. Um, I'm going to take... Oh, no. A lot of close <laughs> lines. A lot this of close tough. lines. I'm torn between my two that I have in mind. It's an interesting weekend ahead of us. I got to back up. Teams are actually – Dude, you know what's weird is week 10 was very similar to uh, November 2nd in college football. Like, nobody played last week. It was brutal for fantasy football. I'm going to take the New York Jets. Oh, my gosh. Seriously? Yeah, I'm taking the Jets. That's a good bet, man. One point at Washington. They just won hosting the Giants. I That was that was mine. It really is a battle of, yeah, but the Redskins are a train wreck right now. So, yeah, that's, that's not a bad pick. The Redskins are the team that has given up on their franchise the most out of all of the clunker teams. I believe the Jets showed up last week. The only Redskins player that is happy to come to work every day is Josh Norman, and that's because he's still cashing checks. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a good pick, man. All right, am I next? Yes. All right, now I, I'm stuck. There's two options that I'm looking at on my sheet here, my notes. Oh, I got a good one, bro. <laughs> but I'm going to take – that's what I thought. Uh, I'm going to take – I had to double check the line. I think it's going to be big for uh, good old B, D, N coming back. 
I'm taking the Jags. You know, it's hard to, to not look at that line, but since I did bet on the Colts to cover, it's hard for me to, in the very next segment, go against that. So, I like that. You're taking the Jags. And I, and I really hope Nick Foles has a great game because just his, his story in the NFL, I can't wait for the uh, a Football's Life documentary of his journey through the NFL. But, yes, Jags. I really wish I could take the Bears here, but that is a prime time. So that's and not going to fly. Your, uh, your religion, your right. cheesehead religion. Right. So right now, I'm between the Falcons upsetting at Carolina or, man, I might have to do it. I'm going to do it. They, they're, oh, man. What? Talk me out of it. Talk me out of take it. Take the Falcons? No, man. The Dolphins are going to win. The Dolphins are going to plus six hosting the Bills. Look <laughs> at you both just immediately. Uh, we both <laughs> I don't know about that. I still think the last... Uh, I'm going to shoot the moon. The Bills beat them by like 20 last time they played. In the A couple, two or three <laughs> yeah, weeks ago. But that's the thing. is like Miami... Second time. Second Fitz time Magic is going to... Don't let Fitzmagic get you. But this this was, is where this it happens. Was, but think, this was the game before they won their two games. Like, this was very recent. It's not like the Dolphins of old, like yes. the beginning of the season where they were just getting But this is classic Fitzmagic. He's waving the wand. But this is the Fitzmagic third win in a row. This is the... This is where it's he gets the money. The, the bottom falls out in the third game, I'm telling you. No, the bottom falls out in the fourth game because after the third game, he shows up in aviators and chains, bro. It was the second game for the Buccaneers. Was it? Yes. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to tell you. As a Bucks fan, I'm trying to help you. I have been dusted with the Fitz magic, and I'm sticking oh, with no. the Dolphins. I can't believe I'm doing that. I wrote it down. It's there. It's concrete. I wanna, if I could get a cheap Harry Potter wand, I'm going to get it. And break it. It's magic. If I'm gonna take <laughs> it. If you lose it, I'm gonna just break it and then put it on our Facebook. It's gonna happen. It's magic. It's over. <laughs> How does he still do it? How does he keep frauding these teams? Well, no matter if Fitz Magic is able to pull it off, hosting a good defense, no matter what happens, you know we're gonna talk to you about it next week. Whether it's in state or out of state, pro or college, we will be back with the biggest sports news. I'm Paul Rubidoux for Jake Williams and Brandon Plecker. This is the Loud Sports Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Loud Sports Pod or on our new Facebook page where you can vote in our primetime pick polls and be a part of the show. Don't forget Insta, man. We're on Insta as well. At Loud Sports Pod as well. At Loud Sports. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next week.